This week's podcast brought to you by Vaganzas. I was coaching our son's basketball game, and one of our players was getting not only double and triple teamed in the post, but when he would take a shot, he was getting mauled, mauled by the other team. Big fella. Big fella, yeah. So at one point, I said to the referee, I said, um, he's getting creamed. <laughs> and our ref said, uh, the defenders, they all have their arms straight up. And I said, well, you can still foul a guy when your arms are straight up. And the referee's response to me was, you need to learn the rules. You need to learn the rules. You need to learn the I rules. I need to learn the rules. And I wish I had said this to him, but instead I turned and looked at my other coaches, explained to them what the referee had said to me, and said, so as long as my arms are straight up, I can knee him in the groin, and it's not a foul. Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day just to keep it sane Who's the ball and who's the chain It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane We're sitting here sipping our freshly brewed cups of coffee and last week you and I went out for coffee to a great spot called The Coffee Spot in Simsbury, Connecticut. If anyone is in Simsbury you should check out The Coffee Spot. They have not only great coffee but just a really cool old house that they have converted into a coffee spot. I like that we don't take ads on this podcast. Right. Uh, we don't take any money for advertising, but you're you're giving your unpaid testimonials. This to... place is great. It's great. Right? Wouldn't you yeah, attest I, to I, that? I, I enjoy it. And been as, there a as handful it... of times. It's, it's just like this cool old house, and each room kind of has a different theme and a different feel and a different vibe, as they say, and the coffee's really good. Anyway... It also has great eavesdropping. And you and I went there and had a cup of coffee last week. It actually has eaves, doesn't it? I think it does. And you said to me that there was great eavesdropping. And I, I wasn't really eavesdropping. You may have said that while I was telling you a story. You were more interested in the, the older women who were sitting in the Adirondack chairs behind us. But anyway, we didn't need to eavesdrop because eventually... One of the ladies came over and introduced herself and was talking to, her, to us. And do you remember the most memorable thing she told us? I don't know if it was the most memorable, but I do remember she uh, said that she lived not too far from us. Uh, hers was the house with the whose front yard had the rescue donkey. Yes. She told us she had a rescue donkey. I don't remember. Did she tell us how many years she's had the rescue donkey? Uh, I think she did, but I don't remember. And and I can't believe I didn't ask her how one comes about rescuing a donkey. But they have a rescue donkey. And she said, you know, it took a while, but now it's very comfortable. And, and she said lots of people will stop and just feed the rescue donkey. Um, and she told us the rescue donkey's name. Do you remember the rescue donkey's name? Maybelline, the rescue donkey. Maybelline. That's Maybelline. right. Because it has dark like circles, different colored circles around its eyes, like it's 
I don't know if it was if she described it as like it's wearing eyeshadow or like, like running uh, mascara. Running sort of. mascara, yeah, I think that's what it was. So um, you and I just we leave the house once every couple of years, and uh, invariably some, somebody tells us about Maybelline the rescue donkey. <laughs> and I, I regret that we didn't follow her out to see if her car had a die cut magnet in the shape of a donkey that said. Uh, who rescued who? Right, right, exactly. She when she first came over and introduced herself, she said because you and I were sitting, um, like against where they had bar height tables and in bar stools, uh, against where the the wall of windows was, and she was on the other side of the room in these Adirondack chairs. And she came over and said, "When you two first came down and just slid into those chairs with ease, I was so jealous." She says, "Because I'm four. What was she four eleven? Believe she said four eleven. even thought of that i've never even thought about it's super easy for you and i to sit down on a bar height chair or stool but she might need a little lift from maybelline or someone else in order to uh to get into the chair and 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 just getting astride a rescue donkey at that height has to be more challenging i would think so without aid of us of an overturned bucket or something i I was kind of chuckling the other day when i was dropping our kids off at school and one of the moms ahead of our car had gotten out of her car to help her kid out of out of their giant SUV. It wasn't just like a regular SUV. It was a giant SUV. And she was a petite woman. She was not tall. So she had to first step on the, it's called the running board or whatever on the side, step on that, you know, hang on the hook on the inside, then step on to the Grab the, grab the, the dry cleaning yeah, handle. Yeah, exactly. It's to hoist herself in the car. And, um, and that's why she had to get out of the car was to help her smaller child um, descend from the high high heights as well. But did, uh, did, did, did she employ a grappling hook while getting back into the cab of this thing? <laughs> she may have. I didn't notice it. I didn't know if, if she had the, what's the thing on you when you're um, going down from the rock Auto wall? Belay. What, the belay. A- Auto belay, yes. Uh, yeah, she, I didn't notice. She said, how great would that be? She hooked her belt to an auto belay that was attached to the car in order to get out, or if her kid had to do that in a little kindergartner in order to get out of the car for school. Did her ascent of the of the SUV require crampons by any chance? What's a crampon? You know, the, the, the spiked shoe things oh, that when, oh. you're, when you're ascending Everest. <laughs> I don't believe it did, no. I'm just going to keep saying things until we hit the magic word crampons, auto belay. Grappling hook or rescue donkey. <laughs> One of these is going to win me five hundred dollars from Groucho Marx right, and, a, and, a, and a jar of Vlasic pickles. Yeah. Well, this is sort of an uh, an animal themed show today, uh, unintentionally, but it's kind of like when uh, Carson used to have on the animal experts. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the animal experts of on course. Carson? Yeah. Do you remember who they were? No. I know there's a woman. Joan Embry of the San Diego Zoo, mm-hmm. usually in kind of a safari getup right, yeah. without the pith helmet. Mm-hmm. Jim Fowler from Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Marlon Perkins, uh, sidekick. Yeah. Do you remember Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom? Sunday night usually? A little bit. Sunday evening, like when your parents were... Uh, two, of the th- uh, two of the three options. I think the options at like the 6.30 Central Time Hour were Lawrence Welk, Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom, and maybe Hee Haw. Oh. 
My options when I was a kid, one of them was Blossom, and that's what I watched. So I think that was probably this, a number of years after but, what you were th- No, this to. was pre-prime time, like in that syndication half hour after the local oh. news or something. Because okay. Sunday night then was Wonderful World of Disney, 60 Minutes, oh, Pat Summerall. Oh, what Summer, were you talking about last night? Yeah. Stay tuned for Murder, She Wrote after the Cowboys, uh, after the conclusion of this game, except on the West Coast, 60 Minutes. But Go last ahead. night, for some reason, we were talking about one of the other shows. Not Ripley's Believe It or Not, but That's Incredible. That's Incredible with Fran Tarkenton. Real that, People. Yep. That's the one I can remember watching on, on as well on Sunday nights. And then Letterman, of course, always had Jack Hanna from the, from the Columbus Zoo as his animal, so-called animal expert. But the reason I mention all these experts, this being the animal-themed show, unintentionally, is because um, your dad in oh, his yes. townhouse, <laughs> how did he discover his, his animal friend, companion, or companions? Well, he discovered it when he came out of a evening mass to voicemails saying that the alarm at his condo had gone off, oh, at his right. home had gone off, and the police had been dispatched. We'd been called... To, to be told that the alarm, the burglar alarm had gone off and the police right. had been dispatched. And when he got there and he, he and the police he, officers... He arrived, as I understand it, or as I imagine it, he arrived at his condo. Mm-hmm. Uh, his, his, his townhouse was bathed in, in red and, and blue light from the, from the turning... Uh, from the helicopter above? Uh, from, the spotlight shone down from the, from, mm-hmm. the, from the eye in the sky. But the, uh, the, the lights on the top of those squad cars were revolving... And and police had his townhouse surrounded with with guns drawn. That's how you picture it. That's how I and imagine. So my dad and the police officer or officers went and searched the house and found a squirrel in the basement. The squirrel had tripped the burglar alarm. There, and there followed a Benny Hill like pursuit yes, of said squirrel. Yes, complete with police officers. I don't think they had the those hats on. And yakety um, sacks. Yeah, but uh, unable. That my father, with the help of the police officers and without, unable to get to coax the squirrel out of the garage. The darn thing just wouldn't go up the stairs and out the hatchway. Imagine that. It, the squirrel wanted to be in the warm basement. It was, but somehow I think it got back up into the ceiling or something. It was, um, it was where it should not have been. Depriving us of the image of, of the squirrel being perp-walked, cuffed, and stuffed into a squad car. <laughs> right. Exactly. He's since gotten a, a animal control person to come out set a trap well he called first he called the animal the uh, pest control right. place and they told him it would be a while because just that very day or two days earlier uh, their squirrel guy had quit <laughs> how do you find your next squirrel guy or do you just train a new one <laughs> is that is that something on your resume i don't um, know squirrel guy from 2020 to 2022. Does the squirrel guy also handle raccoons or other sort of larger Skunks, varmints? I don't know. Distinct from from bugs and, and mice? Yeah, I would think the they it would be separate. I think insects would be separate from- Certainly um, different traps. Yeah. So the guy set two traps. Mm-hmm. I, 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 we're going to leave viewers. This will be a cliffhanger for next week because I haven't talked to your dad since then. Since the guy set two traps on Sunday. The traps were set. My dad has told well, for, me. I should say before they set the traps, the mm-hmm. guy came out. They saw a squirrel just staring them in the face when they went down to the basement. Right. Again, they employed the partying. Benny Hill mm-hmm. uh, foot pursuit, got him to the base of the 
cellar steps and tried to get him to go out the cellar door. Again, he declined mm-hmm. and uh, disappeared. And then the guy set two traps. And inside the trap, he the baited bait them was peanut butter and Fritos. Fritos. Squirrels like Fritos. Of all the things, of course, you use peanut butter. That's what you use for mice and stuff too, or you can. Fritos are and, and a squirrel superfood. Yeah, and then and then the, the uh, guy defied your forbade your dad from going into the basement for twenty four hours or something. Just let let him, you know. I guess you were playing possum to the squirrel. Just let him think you're you're not there. Mm-hmm. And then in twenty four hours or the next day, anyway, check the traps. And and I haven't I haven't see I I've gotten ju- the I've gotten a text update. But all I know is that the t- squirrel is no longer in the house. I do not know if it went and ate the Fritos and hung out. It was trapped. I don't know how they got the squirrel out of the house, but I do know the squirrel's out. But we should find out for next week how the squirrel got out of the house. I thought there was a 50-50 chance that your dad wasn't going to be able to wait the 24 hours. And uh, the pest control guy would come for his traps eventually when your dad doesn't answer his phone. And he would find the Fritos and peanut butter gone, but your dad locked in one of the traps. <laughs> Still licking his fingers from yes. the peanut butter. He, 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 he finds it hard to resist a snack. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you need to tell me if you think this is weird or strange. Last, those, are my, those are my two choices? Well, no. Weird slash strange or not weird okay. slash strange. So last week, our, do- our dogs were at the front door barking their heads off. And I see that there's a guy walking by our house with his dog. And um, and like I peeked my head out of the door or something. I, th- I think I might have said, I'm sorry about the barking. And uh, or no, our dogs were up at the top of the driveway as he was walking by barking their heads off. And so that's why I stuck my head out the door and I just yelled up. I said, I'm so sorry about the barking. And he said, um, he said, no problem. He said, uh, he said, my dog is friendly. Can I let her come in and say hello? Like, come across the electric fence line. Can I let her come in and say hello? I said, sure. So I did. So then I just shut the door and I went, I put my shoes on and I walked up to the top of the driveway and I said to him, I said, I'm friendly too. Can I come say hello? And so I met somebody who lives like across in the other neighborhood from us. That's exactly what you said the night we met (laughs) at the bar. Without the dogs, I said, I'm friendly too. Can I come say hello? Um, But afterwards, I was thinking about it. I'm like, is that just weird? Like for some lady to come out, say hello with all her dogs or barking like crazy? On the contrary, it's it's, uh, it's something out of my daydreams. (laughs) Well, I had a pleasant conversation with with this gentleman and his little friendly dog, and they and like our dogs, all they got to do is smell each other. It's really, dogs are really interesting little beasts. They're barking their heads off, barking their heads off. Once they sniff everything they need to sniff, then they just go away. Like I really, there's only the one thing in my life I need to do is sniff that dog. And then when they do, it's over. I have no interest in, in that dog anymore ever again. You don't find them slightly petty, vindictive creatures sometimes? The dogs, even to each other, our two dogs. We just took them for a walk this morning. The Marking of the territory every every fourteen steps. I don't know if you noticed. It's only our older dog that does that. Our little dog doesn't do that. And our older dog, when we take her for a walk, we know she's going to do her business. Our little dog never does. She's kind of like 
most kids, you know, they don't middle go on the school road. kids, they don't they don't go on the road. They they will not go at school. And the second they get home off the bus or out of the car, they sprint to their bathroom because they're in the the comfort of their own space. That's our younger dog. She will only go in our yard, but our older one. She's happy to go multiple times out on the walk in other yards, and I prefer that. <laughs> go ahead, go in the other person's yard. We'll clean it up. But uh, but our our younger dog is more like a a kid in that regard. And and uh, how do you think that compares to a rescue donkey? <laughs> I was just taking a sip of my coffee, and it went up my nose a little. Um, I don't know how that would. Compared I mean, to a rescue dog, does, you, does you don't she take walk? rescue doggies for walks, do you? I, I, you have to exercise them. Do right? they have a leash? Do they have? A, I, believe me, if I had an exercise donkey, I would be taking. <laughs> if you had an exercise donkey uh, or did a rescue, yes, donkey? or a rescue donkey. I, I, first of all, I'd want both. <laughs> I'd, I'd want to. You want? You. I would. I would love to have a, an exercise donkey. <laughs> Forget an exercise bike. I would. Are you enjoying your your exercise bike? No, I, but I, my exercise it's, donkey. It's, uh, may may I interest you in a muleton? <laughs> I, what I meant to say was, if I ever had to exorcise a donkey, I wonder if they would uh, would mark territory as as the dogs do. Again, uh, we would have to ask Joan Embry, Jack Hanna, or Jim Fowler. If only we had one, yeah. a resident, a resident. Uh, Safari-suited, pith-helmeted right. animal expert. I mean, we have our, our resident bird watcher. We have resident dog experts. And, right, and, right. Uh, we, we have various uh, interdisciplinary. We, 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 we don't have a squirrel guy. We don't. And we I don't, don't have a donkey dude. I don't believe we have a donkey dude. <laughs> or a girl, a squirrel girl. Right. Or, 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 a, or a... Let's keep it gender neutral. Or a donkey... Uh, Diva? Diva. Well, maybe we do as a listener, and they can let us know. Well, I don't have any more animal-related news, Rebecca. So our next animal theme show, three years from now, we'll have to save some up, okay? Okay. But in the meantime, why don't we just open up viewer mail that usually uh, raises unforeseen topics. Yes, let's go to viewer mail. Big bad look, throw our lure, reel us in with your mail. Lori writes, I had to quote, the last time the W Final Four was in Minneapolis was 1995. That Final Four consisted of UConn, a Lady Vol Hoops, Stanford Women's Basketball, and it, well, this appears to be a tweet because it's all in, in uh, handles. So UConn, Tennessee, Stanford, and Georgia. Ultimately, Connecticut defeated Tennessee 70-64. to Is that the right score, Rebecca? Yes. To win its first NCAA title and complete a 35-0 and undefeated season. This is copied from Twitter from NCAA Women's Final Four. There are some great pictures of Rebecca only 27 years ago, and she looks the same today. I can attest to that. You didn't know me 27 years ago. No, but but you, I, I've seen pictures of you 27 years ago. Okay. And you, you, you haven't aged a bit. No, neither have my knees. Nor have your knees. <laughs> you had some people asking about tickets to the Final Four writes Lori. This is uh, Tough Schist married to Stone Curtis. Oh, hey, Tough Schist. you got to be careful when you say that. I know, I do. Uh, (laughs) This is, uh, you had some people asking about tickets to the Final Four. I have the pre-posted to the public access and I have the pre-posted to the public access and bought tickets that I will have for sale since our plans have changed. Do you want to 
put me in direct contact with your BNC contacts that were asking for tickets. I would rather have fans get them instead of putting them for sale with a third-party vendor. Thanks, Lori, Tough Schist, Mary Stone Curtis, Rebecca. This, we have finally found our, our real side hustle. Our, now, that's not a side hustle. It's our, it's our raison d'etre. It's our, it's uh-huh. our, there's my pretentious French phrase Let's for the show. Let's hear it again. It's, it's our raison d'etre. It's our, our raison, raison, raison d'etre. It's, 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 the show has finally found its purpose. Got it. People, I don't know if people, people in Hartford will certainly know. I don't know if it's still on. WTIC had the Sunday morning show tag sale. Oh, we've talked about call, this before. We've talked about yes. it. We'd call in. If you had a washing machine to sell, yep. they would put you in touch with the washing machine buyer. They so, would. Lori, tough schist, Mary Stone Curtis has uh, women's final four tickets for sale mm-hmm. in Minneapolis, I believe April 1st and 3rd, maybe. Something, something like, like that. that, yeah. So, um, yeah, so... Write to Ball and Chain, I guess. Ball and Chain Pod at gmail.com. Sure. If you're, if you're interested in the tickets, tickets, we'll forward that. Forward those. Marry uh, the two together. Forward those to uh, Tough Schist. Speaking of tickets, I'm going to bring this up because it's a smidge of a pet peeve of mine. So there are four regions in women's college basketball this year. And we've got Wichita, Kansas, Spokane, Washington, Greensboro, North Carolina, and Bridgeport, Connecticut. And typically, there is a region that is drivable for UConn fans. Um, Bridgeport, Albany in recent years. Um, And the reason for that is UConn has been, Waterbury I think maybe has hosted, I might be wrong about that. UConn has been to 13 straight Final Fours. Finals Four. Finals Four, thank you. And uh, anyway, year after year after year, the tickets in this region are way more expensive than every other region. Dynamic pricing. So (laughs) this year, just, I was curious. So a week or two ago, I went through the NCAA's website and all session tickets, which allows you to go to all three games. For Spokane, I think, and um, Greensboro, for right at mid-court, lower level, great seats, 50 bucks, all session tickets. Wichita, Kansas, all session ticket, right at midcourt, $47. You look up Bridgeport, and granted, there was a limited inventory. A lot of tickets have already been sold. Corner, like end zone-ish corner ticket, so not nearly as good as any other regions. All session ticket, cheapest, $147. I mean, I'm like, you pay three times the amount for a cruddy ticket in Bridgeport that you pay for a really good seat in any of the other regions. And I should know the answer to this part of it. I don't. I don't know who controls the cost of the tickets. I don't know if the arena controls it. I don't know if the NCAA has anything to do with the cost of the tickets. But year after year after year, it's the same thing. Tickets are way more expensive there. And um, the reason it's, it's interesting this year is that UConn might not get sent there. So... UConn fans will have probably purchased these much more expensive tickets, and who knows if they'll even still go if their team's not there. Um, And of course, it's a luxury that all these years UConn has had a regional that their fans can attend, but the whole reason that the area is given a regional is because they have such great fan support, so there will be a lot of fans there. Anyway, the pricing piece of it, I need to learn more. I need to learn who sets those prices because 
on its face, it seems very, very unfair. Taken at taken, face value. Taken at face value, it seems very, very unfair. Mark in Wisconsin writes, hey there, Restivia. I like it when people add the I to Restiva and it becomes Restivia. Me too. Right? Yeah. It, it, it's, it's, uh, gives it some oomph. Gives it some oomph. Gives it a little more of the, uh, the pharmaceutical feel. Yeah. Just one really quick hat tip regarding the musical lead-in to viewer mail. Rhyming lure with viewer is inspired. On paper, it looks like there's no way that would work, but it does. So please consider this email a slow golf clap of appreciation. What a nice uh, hat tip for a detail-oriented observation from from Mark. Thank you, Mark. Thanks for sharing your time with us every week or so, writes Mark perceptively. He puts in parenthetically or so since uh, we've not been... As with as with many older people, we've not been quite as regular as we once were. <laughs> we're still pretty regular. We're still pretty regular. P.S. writes Mark: Duck, duck, goose versus duck, duck, gray duck should be included in those online "Where are you from?" language quizzes that assess regional dialects slash quirks to help immediately identify Minnesotans. Kind of like how bubbler instead of water fountain signals that you grew up in the Milwaukee area, and is a and is a hack in this old New York Times language quiz. Uh, Mark is in Wisconsin, so he knows all about bubbler, pop, and uh, duck, duck, gray duck, that uh, Minnesota institution. Stacy, Stacy with a S-T-A-C-Y writes, Hi, Stephen, Rebecca. I would like to comment on your recent conversations regarding the lack of kids' ability to throw a ball. Rebecca, this was your... Um, yeah, when I was at the jump place and they were playing dodgeball. Yeah. I was curious about it. Let's hear what he has to say. Funny that we're talking about throwing and dodgeball, and this being the hill that you will that you will die on because uh, or get get knocked out of dodgeball, and because you were very adamant about kids being unable to throw these days, or was it just kids these just days? Surprised. Kids these days in general. No, no, I was just surprised at how many kids couldn't throw a ball. Correct. Now I remember. Yes. Well. Well, let's see what uh, Stacy has to say. It's very sad. He writes. I've been a. Um, did I say he? She, he, did. he or she, Stacy could be either. Could be either. It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Uh, it's very sad. I've been a PE teacher for close to thirty years. I spent the majority of that time at the elementary level and have been at high school the past seven years. So Stacy should know. I have watched over the years the erosion of basic skills such as throwing, kicking, skipping, etc., and also a decrease in basic fitness. It's so sad. I think you were both on the right track. It comes from the fact that kids don't go out and play anymore. They're home playing video games or they're overscheduled with cl- classes, practice, etc. I also think that parents don't just go out and throw or shoot hoops or play with their kids anymore. Another sad thing, I wish I saw changes in the future, but I'm afraid this is going to be the way it is. People just don't realize how vital free playtime is. Um, I had the, I can't say it was a distinct pleasure at the time, but while I was doing it, it was. uh, Our our daughter and her friend, uh, anticipating the start of softball season, asked, and, and not having picked up a bat or a ball, since last softball season, asked if we could go out and uh, I could pitch some wiffle balls to them and then some softballs, which I did. Then we started throwing the ball around. I started throwing them grounders, and uh, it was it was a delight. This was this weekend, and um, and I wouldn't do it again without an L screen. These girls are now eleven years old. I'd soft toss them a, a a wiffle ball, and the thing they would send a laser back at me, and um, and. I should have been the one wearing the helmet. Go ahead. That's one of the, my distinct memories from spring. Isn't necessarily 
going out and playing catch, which you always did a day or two before the season was going to start. But waking up the next day and having a sore arm or back. Yes. And it took forever to realize what it was from, at least for me. Yeah. Like, man, my back. Because it might not even be like the, your shoulder, which would be obvious from throwing, but it would be like your shoulder blade in the back. Yeah. Something was sore. And then eventually it would hit me like, oh, of course, that's from I haven't thrown a ball in months. That's what that's from. It's like when you hadn't played basketball for a long time and your legs and, and bum would you, those muscles but would just be the first you know playing catch the first time in the spring it was like don't go in the water for 30 minutes after eating a sandwich um you know don't fill up on bread whatever one of those admonitions was don't throw your arm out you know right right of course to build back up to it yeah. i was having the this conversation just about throwing a ball with another adult recently and he was saying to me he's like you know what else kids can't do ask them often um they can't, they don't know how to work a broom. They don't know how to hold a broom. And I don't, and I don't necessarily mean a push broom, but like a broom you'd use to yeah. like sweep in the kitchen. They don't know how to hold it. You kind of hold it like a baseball bat. And um, he was saying to me how it, it, it strikes him that a lot of kids do not know how to hold a broom because who knows if a vacuum is their the only thing they're using in their house to uh, to clean up the floors, but and of don't course, know how to hold a broom. Of course, these kids, our kids, will complain when they're our age that these kids today in 2045 or whatever right. don't know how to do X, Y, and Z. I wonder right. what those things will be. Yeah, who knows? Look at this. Look at the way this kid is trying to... Trying to drive his, you know, whatever car right. or... His, yeah. his flying car. On a more positive note, right, Stacey, it's March. Bring on college hoops. I'm super excited that I'll be traveling from Seattle to Minneapolis for the Final Four this year. Last time I was at a Final Four was the late 80s when it was in Tacoma. Does Stacey already have tickets? If not... I mean, serendipity. Right. This will be my first time in Minneapolis. Oh, wow. All right. Are you going to give some recommendations? Well, I mean, I, 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 I wouldn't presume to give recommendations, but I, I envy the uh, first time in Minneapolis. So I'm ready to see the town and watch some great games. Then it will be just a short wait for the start of the WNBA and one more year for Sue. Smiley face, uh, colon, close parentheses, smiley face. I always look forward to the pot. I have a long commute, so it makes the time fly by. Sincerely, Stacy with a Y. Height, 67 inches. Rebecca, do the math quickly for us. I can't. 60 five, 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 5'7". 5'7". Wingspan, 64 inches. Shoe size. Ooh. I'm going to give it to you in U.S. size, Rebecca. Five, seven. Hold on. Let me guess. Based on 67-inch height, 64-inch wingspan. I'm going to go with size eight and a half. Nine and a half in both flat and round laces, writes Stacy. Stacy, thank you so much for the uh, the viewer mail. And if you're in need of tickets, contact Tough Schist. I am hoping that when when we're at the Final Four, we are so super busy. There's little time to do anything. And, and if there is time that's not already taken ESPN will schedule a production meeting but when we're out there when we've been out there in past years for um, the WNBA finals or something and there might be an occasion to go to dinner with my colleagues Bar La Grassa just to get is Bar La Grassa lobster your, egg is that bruschetta. one of your colleagues hmm? Bar La Grassa is that one of your yes Bar La Grassa just for their lobster egg bruschetta if you're in Minneapolis give it a try is this a... Uh, it's another one of my f non-advertisement advertisements. Well, there you go. The coffee spot in Simsbury, Connecticut. Mm -hmm. Bar La Grassa in Minneapolis. Mm -hmm. Do you have a place in Greensboro, uh, Wichita? 
or Sp- Spokane. I, I know, and nor do I have one in Bridgeport. <laughs> Stephen Rebecca writes, George, our monocle dealer in and, uh, and pumpkin enthusiast. Hello, George. Regarding your discussion of fruited candy, I recently got a text from our office administrator asking if I could pick up some documents that she had left on her desk and bring them to a meeting later. I told her that I would, but that it would cost her two orange Jolly Ranchers from her community candy bowl. After sending the text, it occurred to me that I had never had an orange Jolly Rancher and wasn't even sure that they existed. I don't know. If Favorite Jolly Rancher, Rebecca? Watermelon? Oh, no. Those are the worst. The green. emerald green? Green the yeah, apple. Sour candy, sour yeah, green apple I've thing? I think I've said this before, how Coach Oriama, when I was playing, that's the candy he had in his desk. Who wants it? You Jolly played, Rancher. And then you'd go across you, the hall to Chris Daly's office, and she had like Hershey Kisses. She had the you, good chocolate. You played for two Jolly Rancher enthusiasts, Rebecca. Oh, that is true. Although Gino Oriema, yes, and, and Van Chancellor in Houston, Houston Comets coach with the Houston Comets may not have been a Jolly Rancher enthusiast, but he did toss them uh, to to the front rows of the uh, at oh, the at yeah. the summit, right, as if he were tossing uh, uh, a flounder at SeaWorld <laughs> to the. Uh, and I don't I don't know that I ever saw Coach Oriema eat consume, the Jolly yeah. Rancher or consume a Jolly Rancher, whatever you do to Jolly Ranchers. He just had them on his desk. What, what you do to Jolly ever... Ranchers is you, is you 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 suck on them like a lozenge for the first eight minutes, then you get sick of it and you bite it in half and stuck to your molar for the right. next hour you, and a half. Or you use it to, to stick your teeth together. Yes, or yes. or use it to chip your teeth. Right, that would be the other option. Yeah, I don't, and I don't know that I ever saw Van Chancellor have one either, but I know, and I, I played on an international tour at, um, gosh, I forget where we were. We might have been in Brazil and Coach, Van, and Coach Chancellor was the coach and he threw out candy to the kids there too. It's just what he did before the game. He would walk out, toss the candy, and then... Uh, then it'd be time to it's, coach. It's a pretty, uh, pretty shrewd move of getting the crowd on your side. Oh, yeah, especially but, in an international crowd. But you're also handing them the very weapon that they could then yeah, uh, pelt you with later. Yeah. Uh, in doing some research, writes George, online, I discovered that they do indeed make orange jelly ranchers, but only in limited quantities. Well, isn't that true of everything? Anything that's any good, yeah. Is made in limited quantities. Yeah. Even, even if it's made in the, in the trillions. You know what I can't find anymore? And for a while it was my go-to treat is um, Swedish fish variety. Like not just the red, but the green and yellow and orange. I think those were the other other colors. Do you think there are, are supply chain issues or do you think they've been all fished out? <laughs> it could be either one because it, it's the, the su- issue, issue finding them started during COVID and they have not returned. I cannot find the colorful variety goldfish anywhere um and they were just an occasional treat but i did like them uh, more importantly writes george i discovered that there was a company candymafia.com i have no financial interest he writes that sorts through the mixed bulk bags of candy to prepare bags of only one flavor of a certain product for example if you like cherry starburst but don't care for fruit punch starburst you can get a bag of just cherry without having to put up with the other flavors you don't prefer they do this for several products including tootsie pops starburst and jolly rancher this rebecca sounds like the uh, the the are there candy stores you can go to who have them separated by by that as well? Perhaps, but I don't but know. this sounds like the the alleged concert rider for every band in the seventies. Led Zeppelin demanded only you know green M and M's in their in their. I wonder what they charge for that, and if it would just make more sense to hire like a middle school aged kid to come over sort the candy, and I'll give you a couple bucks and a but then couple you, of the extra candies. But you still end up with the ones you don't like, I you suppose. You end up with all the ones that... Uh, Maybe uh, we can broker that here, too. Like, if we get... Well, I like the 
fruit punch starburst well i like the whatevers and we can connect the people and they can just mail each other the preferred starburst it wouldn't, it wouldn't just flavor. it wouldn't just have to be candy i imagine you could do the same thing for lucky charms mm-hmm. you could do the same thing for i mean there's already Captain yeah. crunch oops all berries where it's just crunch berries no stuff that's not wrapped. i, I would pay, don't want people digging through and separating i would and pay somebody to, to take uh uh, things like trail mix and remove all the raisins or or take get get the kind of trail mix that has m&ms in it mm-hmm. and remove all the all the stuff that isn't the m&ms <laughs> there's probably another solution for that you could just buy a bag of m&ms probably i guess could, and, yeah. yeah uh roger our colorado waving cyclist and resident proud member of the fog fat old guy cycling team <laughs> writes hi roger the fog cycling team fat, fat old, old guy guys. i like that uh, all the talk about stats figured I should chime in about the ultimate number geeks among athletes, cyclists. Ooh, this now, is going to be new to me. Now I, like I know here in the fun. U.S., only the dedicated cyclists will understand a lot of these, but especially pro cyclists are incredibly numbers-driven today. Not only are they obsessed with their own weight, perhaps even more so than boxers and wrestlers, no pro wrestlers, but real wrestlers, but the weight of their equipment, often spending hundreds of dollars to save a few grams even on water bottle cages. They have the numbers such as FTP, functional threshold power, lactate threshold, watts per kilogram, watts slash kg. Lactate threshold? Is that just for nursing moms? I don't know. VAM, vertical meters you can climb in one hour, VO2 max, and others. It's amazing how many of these numbers even casual dedicated cyclists know about themselves. The funny thing is that for most of us, including many who do spend hundreds of dollars to save a few grams on a set of pedals or spend thousands on coaches that help us improve our FTP or VAM, the sad fact is most of us could save this money by simply not picking up that second beer or not having that second helping of mashed potatoes at dinner. Although one thing cyclists do need is carbs, which would t- take you down another rabbit hole, cycling and nutrition. Um, but, but Rebecca, this is me speaking now. Don't you think that one of the reasons, one of the uh, incentives to exercise uh, is so that you can have the second beer or the fourth cupcake or whatever? Maybe not for you. Uh, I don't know. I'm sure for some people that's the incentive to exercise. I think for others, especially athletes, your incentive to exercise is to be in the best shape so you can perform at the highest level. But but if your job isn't 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 a professional athlete, uh, you know, yeah, I think the whole point of exercise is not to feel good, but to feel. Um, point of exercise is to be healthy, right? So you feel good in in your own skin? No, 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 no. The point it's is <laughs> to have the, the 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 extra beer or the 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 third helping of ice cream. No. So you directly equate exercise with consuming high calorie drinks or food? No, I guess not. I guess I don't. The way you're looking at me, I I, I well, no, I, I just don't. I'm 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 that. It's it's interesting to me. Like, um, if I really want one of those yellow or orange or green Swedish fish, I'm going to eat it, whether or not I've exercised. Well, but so if I, I. But I want to exercise just because I want to feel good and strong and um, healthy. So I, I understand those two things are related, but they're not related in my brain as like the same math equation. Does that make sense? That makes sense. Uh, catching on a few podcasts, so I know this is kind of late, but let but got to uh, rep the athletes out there who are sort of like the lefties, often forgotten and overlooked by most American sports fans, the cyclists, 
And again, this is from Roger, your Colorado Waving Cyclist and resident proud member of the FOG cycling team. But I do think it's interesting what he's saying. Like, they'll spend hundreds of dollars to get the toe clips or whatever it was, or water bottle holder, that weigh a few grams less when it would be free to not have the beer and weigh a few, and you weigh a few grams less instead of your bike. True, but, but if you can have the beer and take the weight off on the water bottle... No, then why not? you might as well. <laughs> so, I mean, the, the important thing is to maintain the uh, the total weight of you and your bike. If you get heavier and the bike gets lighter, win-win. You've, you've, you've <laughs> net zero. Everybody wins. Yeah, everybody wins. Uh, Steve. Especially if there's beer in the water bottle holder. There you go. Then well, you're I mean, golden. I think, I think you've cracked the code. Rebecca. I think so. Also, the, the name of his cycling team, Fog, I think, tells us right. where his loyalties lie. Right. Let the bike get lighter. Dear Stephen Rebecca writes, Steve, greetings from the greater Twin Cities Metroplex, where, despite a snow emergency having been declared over the weekend, our temperatures are generally heading in the right direction after a long and cold winter. Uh, Re- Rebecca, we had two consecutive days in the 60s here, followed by uh, biting winds and bitter uh, cold today, right? Yeah. Well, the, the windstorm that came in last night to take all of that warm air away and bring in all of the cold was was ferocious. That, that Just listening to it was, was crazy. Yeah, it was and yes, the, the cold has returned. A few, a few thoughts come to mind as I have caught up on the last couple of podcasts. First, what a delightful surprise it was to see Rebecca in living color in the sports page of our paper after her appearance promoting the Women's Final Four here in Minneapolis. It looks as though there are a number of events scheduled for the week of the finals, so let's hope the Twin Cities residents come out in force to support these terrific athletes and welcome all visitors. Question, will the Russian Lobo family be coming en masse, insert Steve's French accent here, to the event? If so, perhaps a B and C gathering. Um, I don't think we are. We, are, we, we aren't. We, we don't think we are. We're not. Well, yeah. You our, are. Our, our, our oldest has been asking to come for a long time. Then our second oldest said to me the other day, can I come to Minneapolis for the Final Four? She said, and are you doing any games in Seattle this year, WNBA games? And I said, I don't know. And she said, well, can I come to one of those? Because I've been asking for that for years. <laughs> so so it's possible that that, that, who knows? Uh, that more than one Russian will. There's a chance. There's a chance. So you're saying there's a chance. I'm saying there's a chance. But it ain't going to be me. You? No, it won't no. be you. Uh, this is how I learned these things. Second, Rebecca lamented the loss of throwing ability among some kids she recently witnessed. I have a friend with middle school-aged kids, and I have noticed the same thing. Sadly, it seems that few kids go out and play any longer. Our neighborhood was filled with kids, and we played all the time, all kinds of games. And though we were not all great in all sports, we got by and had a lot of fun. When my daughters were younger, we made sure to expose them to lots of different activities before they were allowed to specialize. And it has served them well over the years. We also had them read a terrific book entitled The Daring Book for Girls, which builds itself as a book for every girl with an independent spirit and a nose for trouble. Here is the No Boys Allowed Guide to Adventure. There is a similar book for boys entitled The Dangerous Book for Boys. Each is well worth the time to open and explore. Um, certainly, I, I mean, I don't blame these kids of today because... It's not their fault. It's not their fault. It's our fault. Well, it's, I mean, I'm not even sure it's our fault. You and I have felt somewhat powerless to... Um, not powerless, but... We we recognize the the uh, how often we are beholden to our phones, sure. uh, the, the Wi-Fi, all this other nonsense. Especially more so since uh, since 
COVID and 19, the pandemic and, you know, work from home and all that stuff. Um, and, and I'm not sure, you know, I, when, when I was the age our kids are now, all of, all of, at all of those various ages, my mom had to physically grab me and, and pull me away from the TV and force me outside to do, I don't care what you do, but you're not doing this anymore. So, uh, I think that was the, 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 uh, kickstart for a lot of these uh, yeah. idyllic days of playing in the street was I didn't want to be out there, but I was required to be. Third, Rebecca Third, Rebecca talked about her final chance to coach one of her basketball teams as my youngest prepares to graduate from college. I've been thinking a lot about the various rites of passage I've watched my kids experience over the years. The nice thing is that each one lives on in my memory and that there are many more to come. More in the passage of time and the experiences, but celebrate the fact that they occurred. Well, absolutely. And Rebecca, you got to celebrate, we both did, uh, this weekend when our son and all of his buddies played travel basketball for the final time as eighth graders. Mm-hmm. It's great. And and we savored the moment. Somebody sent a picture of these same kids as fifth graders, and they looked like... Little you know. tiny, tiny people. And three years later, they're, uh, they, they, like they sound boys. like uh, Barry White. Exactly. Finally, just a quick merci to Steve, again, insert French accent here, for reminding the entire world that the correct name for the children's game is, in fact, Duck, Duck, Grey Duck, and not Duck, Duck, Grouse. Amen. Well, Keep no up one the... said it was Duck, Duck, Grouse. Duck, Duck, Grouse? That's what you just said. It's Duck, Duck, Goose. No, I, I'm talking about uh, Grouse from ELO's Don't Bring Me Down, Grouse. Oh, and it's, is that the same uh, evil guy? Or that's Gru. That's Gru, yeah. From, uh, and he becomes good, right? I think so. Uh, I, I can't tell, say for sure since uh, since uh, Minions and Despicable Me are, are only on 14 times a week, right. I think, on, on right. Nick. Uh, keep up the good work, and as always, I remain your faithful and intrepid North suburban, Northern Suburban correspondent, Steve. Steve, thank you, as always. Who I haven't heard from a while is Michael. In, uh, Michael, in where Higashi are Kitazawa? Yeah, where are you, Michael? Where in the world is, is Carmen Sandiego? Uh, Bob writes, Dear Rebecca and Steve, oh, this is an outline form. I don't think we've gotten this yet. I don't think we have either. We have bullet points. We have uh, numbers. We have uh, a grab bag of numbers, letters, and Roman numerals, but this is actually in outline form with proper indentation and all that. Ready? I'm ready. (laughs) Dear Rebecca and Steve, A, a belated congratulations on 200 episodes. Uh, Tab. One, no worries. No worries that the 200th wasn't some special extravaganza. I consider each regular vaganza to be an appo- to be appointment viewing. So we had our, <laughs> every regular our, vaganza. In fact, his email I just noticed now is headed vaganzas. <laughs> well done. Is this from Bob? This is from Bob. Well done, Bob. Our, our, our simplest of palindromes in, in North Carolina. Vaganzas. <laughs> <laughs> B, there has been a theme in, in recent episodes to ask about esoteric aspects of sports, such as what makes a good physique for boxing and how might being left-handed affect offensive line play in football. One, what determines possession of the possession arrow in basketball? What determines possession of the possession arrow in basketball? A, when there is a question of possession in the game, what determines the direction of the arrow? Two, now that I have used the word possession three times in two sentences, I am reminded of the following from about 150 episodes ago. A, the word possesses, possesses five S's. It possesses more S's than most words in the English language. Roman numeral three, I use that line anytime I have to test a microphone at school. 
C, as always, one, your simplest of palindromes, A, Bob, two, Huntersville, North Carolina. So let me just answer his question quickly about the possession arrow, just in case it's a legit inquiry. It can't possibly be legit inquiry. What, what determines there's the- There's a jump ball at the very beginning yes, of the game. Correct. This is in high school and college yes. because you go to actual jump balls when you get to the NBA and WNBA, but jump ball at the beginning of the game, whoever wins the jump ball, the other team has the arrow. And it, every time there's a jump ball, it alternates. In be- theory. Right, if if the person's doing it correctly. Or to start the quarter, you also um, you also use the alternating arrow and then switch it. In the NBA and WNBA, the team that wins the jump ball starts with the ball. Ah, shoot. I think it's at the beginning of the – I don't remember if it's the third or the fourth quarter. I think the team that wins the jump ball at the beginning of the game also gets it to start the fourth quarter, and the other team gets it to start the second and third because, of course, they don't have arrows. They just have real jump balls. Uh, which brings us back to um, our cold open, and that is uh, you do seem to know your rules. Well, thank you, Bob, for all of those various – Vaganzas. <laughs> finally, Rebecca. Ah, uh, well, if you say finally, I say. You say what? DGS. DGS, the notorious DGS, or double O B G Y N, doctor, the good doctor. The good doctor. Gary Siegel. Dr. Siegel writes, I hope this note finds you well and that you're enjoying the beginning of March Madness. When I was at the gym on the first Saturday in March, I was excited and pleased to see on the big screen TV the quarterfinals of the Women's Big East Tournament with Georgetown playing the eventual winner, the Yukon Huskies. I stopped to watch for a few moments, hoping to see Rebecca on TV. There was no sound, but alas, the broadcast was from a lesser competitor to ESPN. A picture was attached as I took it and then realized that the broadcast, ahem, was not ESPN's. Rebecca. You were not on a rival network. You were. I was not. I think that was on FS1, maybe. I believe it was. Lest you worry about me, however, please don't fret. I had the pleasure of watching the Carolina at Duke men's game later that evening, which was remarkable in several regards. One, it was Coach K's last home game. Mm -hmm. Two, Carolina upset Duke at home after having been trounced at Carolina previously. Three, Holly Rowe was the sideline reporter, so that was a clear bonus to an already great game. Um, Tickets were going for ridiculous prices, from what I understand. Uh, Jerry Seinfeld was there in a Duke sweatshirt, uh, along with your friend and mine, Adam Silver. Adam Silver went to Duke, so that explains why he would be there. I, I wonder if I'm Seinfeld has a kid at Duke or something. Seinfeld. Yeah. And he's got uh, college-age children, right? Maybe he's just a huge Coach K fan. Uh, while we are on sports, writes Dr. Siegel, in the last podcast, Rebecca mentioned the NCAA insisted that it be referred to as the NCAA, as opposed to other monikers, including but not limited to the NCAA. My family belongs to a synagogue. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm not, oh, he, he, I was going to say I'm not going to pronounce this correctly, Rebecca. And Dr. Siegel provides a pronunciation key. Okay, let's hear it. Uh, phonetically, it is Ahav, Ahavath Achim. Ahavath Achim. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. If not, I blame Dr. Siegel's uh, pronunciation key. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is widely abbreviated as the AA Synagogue. When I was in public high school years ago, there was a fair proportion of Jewish students at the school. Our assistant football coach, who was in charge of physical education, once asked the asked me if I belonged to the AA Synagogue, since apparently synagogues, along with high schools, are in various regions of or classes denoted by the number of A's. <laughs> uh, but of course, AA, people associate with Alcoholics Anonymous. AAA, mm-hmm. either baseball or the American Automobile Association, right? Yeah. Although American Airlines website now is AA.com. Yes, .com, yeah. 
I don't know how they worked that out. I don't either. One. Although del- that makes sense based on all of our experience with, with morning drinking on flights. Uh, yes, it's, it's a, a twofer. Yep. One, Delta or Southwest. Mrs. DGS has previously discussed plans the bulk of our travel, which generally involves visits to our children and grandchildren. We've flown on both airlines, and I'm a hometown fan of Delta Airlines. It doesn't answer how we got to New Orleans, but it we're assuming it's Delta, right? We Still, yeah. Two, since synagogues came up moments ago, I would like to credit our now-retired rabbi with this short topic. A few years ago, when he was ad-libbing between prayers, he mentioned, I like that he's ad-libbing. As, he... He mentioned that he had a bit of a pet peeve when people didn't wave to thank him when, for instance, he let someone into a gap in traffic. He humbly mentioned that a wave or a nod or some gesture seemed appropriate to him. Recently, while driving around in Atlanta traffic, I've noticed more honks, such as to get a move on when the light turns green, and fewer waves. I emailed the rabbi with a thought that we need more waves and fewer honks, now more than ever. He replied in agreement and said that it could be a good topic for a sermon, but that he was out of that business. (laughs) But, I mean, that is a bumper sticker. out of ad-libbing or out of sermonizing? Speaking of, but in traffic, that is the perfect bumper sticker, don't you think, Rebecca? More honks, more waves and fewer honks, not more Definitely honks. Definitely not more honks. No. Well, I think the, the reason for all the honks is because there's so many people looking down at their phones at a red light. So they take forever to, uh, to go when the light turns green. Maybe automobiles should have a secondary honking mechanism. So you have your traditional... So, you know, if a car is trying to merge and there might be an accident or you really need that thing to that horn to blow. And then maybe there's like a secondary. um, You're talking about a secondary honking mechanism, secondary honking mechanism. Maybe there's some a different horn or a button to push. So your car makes a gentler sound just to say the lights turned green. Can you please go? I was in a prog rock band in the 70s that was called the secondary honking mechanism. (laughs) And um, don't you think that's a good idea, though? I think it's a terrific idea. I've always, you know, you know, and I probably mentioned on the podcast years ago that I've always been in favor of of a of a ticker like uh, right, rotating yeah. signage in the in a car window that you could post any message you wanted. Yeah, voice activated. Although, based on the bumper stickers and some of the angry things I see on people's cars these days, that might not be no, a be good a idea, idea anymore. But but um, I'm reminded of Hamilton: talk less, smile more. more yeah. Honk less, wave more. Mm. Don't let them know what you're against or what you're for, right? Uh, Three, Steve noted that my iPhone is set on military time, and Rebecca wondered if that was a medicine thing. Do you remember this, Rebecca? Uh, Of course I do. I don't have any idea what was on Dr. Siegel's phone that he wanted to show us. I think it was his uh, exercise metrics, but we did notice his his battery uh, capacity Mm -hmm. and that his phone was set to military time. Yes. Uh, while not universal in my training, in which documentation was done on paper, it was pretty much beaten into me that every entry into a medical record must be dated and timed using military time. I know of no universal requirement to do that. It may have just been the custom at my residency location, the University of Alabama, Birmingham. Today, since documentation is largely on electronic medical records, the dating and timing of entries is automatically done for you. However, as I'm sure many viewers might agree, the computer is in some regards a barrier between the doctor and the patient. So Dr. Siegel has left his phone on military time, and uh, we have the University of Alabama Birmingham to blame for that. That's right. But I was right. It was a medicine thing. You, well, we don't know if it was. It was his medicine thing for sure. Well, yeah. He was the one we were talking about. You're right. That's true. Four, at one hospital in which I work, the housekeeping staff still places a paper ribbon across the freshly cleaned toilet seat. I'll be on the lookout for the next ribbon and see it and see if it says sanitized on it. It should say, Dr. Siegel, if it's if it's authentic, 
Holiday Inn kind of uh, ribbon cutting, it should say, sanitized for your protection. You know what? Um, this would be different, very different in a men's restroom and a women's restroom. But typically, if I go into a communal bathroom, which more these days, the only place I really would do that would be um, at ESPN when I'm at work, you know when that you're the first person to use the toilet after it's been cleaned if the toilet seat's up. Because when they clean the toilets, they put the toilet seats up. But of course, if somebody uses the bathroom and sits down, they're going to put the toilet seat down and then back up. I mean, and leave it down. They're not going to put it back up. So that's usually a clue that, ah, I'm here soon after it's been cleaned. Excellent. That wouldn't be the case in a men's room because you just would leave the seat up all the time. That's true. Uh, I mean, I can tell you the men's room, the presumption 100% of the time is not sanitized. Yeah. And... uh, Five, I've tried, oh, listen to this, Rebecca. Okay. I've tried the better bow in my leather-laced boat shoes, worn ubiquitously at work, and- Don't tell me it's failed. Well, you know those laces on, on like boat Oh, those are boat the shoes. worst, yeah. I mean, they, 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 they're untieable. Yeah, because our kids wear those to school, or at least our youngest does. And it doesn't work well on the laces, which chronically come untied. Oh, well. Does any kind of bow work on those laces, those leather- No. Laces, nothing. No. They're not even. They're neither round nor flat, right? They're sort of squares, aren't they? Yeah. Like they've been extruded from a Play-Doh fuzzy pumper. Yes, exactly. Uh, Six and lastly, however, you did mention various ways to tighten shoes in various sports and mentioned cycling. This past week, I replaced some very old and very worn-out cycling shoes with a new pair, having chosen to go to the local bicycle shop to try shoes on and see them, rather than trying to decide among dozens of different shoes available through online retailers. Do you think Dr. Siegel uh, and, and our waving cyclists in Colorado of the FOG team are, are both um, simpatico when it comes to lightening the, lightening the bicycle? I wonder. I think Dr. Siegel, just to judge from his gym metrics, is lightening Dr. Siegel and leaving the bike Could at be. a constant weight mm-hmm. uh, rather than vice versa. And I'm hopeful that when Dr. Siegel went to his local bike shop that he then – not just tried the new shoes on there, but he purchased them from them and didn't try them on there and then go and find them cheaper online. Let's let's find out. Let's find out. Since my old shoes were at least 10 years old, I was pleased to find that the new shoes have a unique, to me, fastening system called the BOA, registered trademark, fit system, B-O-A-R with a circle, fit system, in which a sturdy but thin plastic string feeds through the fasteners on top of the shoe and you can dial in the tightness. this is this has replaced Velcro as well a as the trademark re- attorney probably knows the yeah. boa with the. He R says this has the- replaced Velcro as well as the ratchet fasteners of older shoes. A link and picture are below, and indeed, uh, there's a link to boafit.com. Boa fit system. Rebecca, do you think this is has any relation to the? Does, does the shoe also have a secondary honking mechanism? I don't know, but do you think their shoe is called the boa constrictor? That must Ooh. be why they called it the boa, right? I uh, perhaps. As always, thank you so much for your time and trouble to give the viewers an hour or so filled with facts, humor, idle banter, and kindness. The Ball and Chain Podcast contradicts the adage that you get what you pay for because we get a great hour each week due to your gracious generosity. Well, uh, that's very kind of you, Dr. Siegel. He writes, with warm regards, I bid you au revoir. Oh, not adieu. No, uh, Gary with two R's. Gary, Our poor kids. Thank you, as always, bringing Our the goods. Our poor kids, by the way. Um We've been buying croissants lately because they've been enjoying, you know, breakfast sandwiches on croissants or even just eating a croissant. And they don't have any idea why you'll say to them, you know, do you want that on toast or on a croissant? Well, just the other day. They have no idea. Just the other day, our 11-year-old said, uh, 
I don't want it on a croissant. Is that what she said? Yes. But they have no idea why you do that. I, I think they, they have a, a they general idea podcast, that I'm a buffoon. Like, yeah. But they don't understand any of the podcast. No, no, no. They've never heard a moment of this, no. thank goodness, nor, nor would they uh, never I want mean, to. if they'd heard a moment, they would have never heard another moment because they would not have wanted to. Correct. On well, that is that note, it? I think that's all we've got. All right. Rebecca, On that note, oh, for for producer, oh, for for our for our for our uh, our. Is it afternoon yet where he is? It's not. Who knows what time it is on the West Coast? I mean, it's a different world. It's a different. world. I have a feeling he's uh, he's um, what is he? He's on the beach in Santa Monica. What's he doing right now in Los Angeles? Oh, I think he's. I think it for him. I think he's on the Matterhorn at Disneyland. Even though it's Tuesday, I think for him it's still Monday night, and he's somewhere partying hard. You think so? Mm-hmm. I think you may be right. He's probably on uh, at. Uh, Surely, there's no sky bar on the Sunset Strip anymore. But he's he's some know. it's some uh, he's in the Viper some room elite, someplace. Yes, yeah, spot. Yeah. So for him, and for uh, Tom, Dick, and Harry, Tom's probably with him. Yep. And Dick exactly. and Harry play us out. Sing says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. Road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Six of us and the family pad live in this cuckoo nest. Daily grind puts sanity. To a daily test Androgynous and ambiguous While we give for a little rest Stay by day just to keep it sane Who's the ball and who's the chain It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane